Well, welcome uh, this morning, especially all you refugees from the churches that uh, cancel. Um, one of the things, <laughs> and they're great churches that cancel. Maybe the best churches cancel. We're, we're, we're West End Press. We don't ever cancel. There's a reason for that. One which is in the text we're going to read here in a couple of minutes. So, Deacon McMahon, Elder Cornwell, thanks for that. <clears throat> Oh, if you, if you have been coming here, you know that we've been looking at 1 Peter, and uh, the section that we've gotten to in 1 Peter is actually uh, instruction to slaves, and that's a very important passage, particularly for our cultural context, and so I'm saving that for the bigger church next week, Lord willing, if the snow melts. So, um, uh, but what I did think about today was um, when I got up and thought, well, I'm going to make it to church. I don't know if anybody else will make it. So uh, it's amazing to just do uh, a study on Bible passages that mention snow. You know, let's be relevant this morning, right? Because uh, uh, that's what uh, everybody's been thinking about. Um, <clears throat> but, but more importantly than that, um, I think, uh, is to look at... Um, uh, psalm 147 this morning, which is a psalm that I, I chose this morning uh, to, for us to just take a few minutes to, to think about and to see what God might uh, have for us in it. Um, let me go ahead and read to you uh, Psalm 147. I hope there, uh, everybody can at least look on somebody else for it. Uh, and this is the ESV if you're looking on your phone, right? That's what most people do is anymore as their Bibles on their device, right? So uh, help yourself. This is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, and those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool, which how ironic that you would compare snow to wool. I thought, I think of wool as warm, and I think of snow as cold, right? Isn't that, isn't that pretty funny? Nobody thinks that's funny. Okay, you guys should have gotten out yesterday. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. So one of the things that uh, 
the church staff has to tolerate with me for as long as I'm the pastor here uh, is because uh, I, uh, I was the, I'm the only senior pastor that's ever been here. We, when we planted this church in, in 1993, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I have memories of, uh, really uh, funny memories of, was that um, Henrico County would call Joyce Minor on Saturday when it snowed to tell us that we couldn't worship. Now, when you're a church planner and you're trying to scra- scrape together a handful of people to get something moving, and the Lord, who loves you, who loves the church, keeps sending snow and bad weather so that you can't meet as a church, it's terrifying. Because I was always asking the question back in those days anyway, is this the the Sunday when nobody comes? Because I wasn't sure I would have come at that point in time in the church. And so... Uh, what I decided was, Lord, if you ever give us a building, uh, we will always worship on Sunday morning. We've even worshiped, if you'll remember, outside in the parking lot with a speaker hooked up to a car battery after a hurricane. Some of you might have even been here for that, right? Yeah, so... The psalmist says, praise the Lord. It is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. It is fitting to worship. It's what you're made for. It's what God designed you to do, and it's particular what he's designed the church to do. So, so one of the things that we recognize about this is, is there's a lot in this psalm about the power of God, certainly, but also about his pleasure, right? It is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. And so one of the things that is, is valuable for us right off the, the bat as we look at the psalm is the reminder of the fact of, of what we were created to do and what we were created to be. And as Shang prayed for us this morning, we know that... Um, Worship is not something that we necessarily generate, but it is something that Jesus makes available to us by his death, uh, by his life, death, and resurrection, that he's opened the way to us to, to have instant access to the throne of grace, to go before our Father in heaven, to call him our Father, to tell him uh, our troubles, to cry out to him, and to praise him for his greatness and his love and his mercy to his people. So the psalmist goes on here to say, the Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the outcasts of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars, he gives to all of them their names, great is our Lord and abundant in power, his understanding is beyond measure, the Lord lifts up the humble, he casts the wicked to the ground. Now one of the things that's really uh, important about this section of this psalm is the contrast between the awesome power of God, right, that he determines the number of the stars. Did you hear that there's a new planet? Nobody's seen it, but it must be really big because it's affecting the orbits of other things that are out there. We can't see it, but we think it's there. It's big, it's black, it's cold, it's giant. It's giant, right? And so the Lord knew that thing was there all the time. You know why? Because he made it. And he made it probably just to, obviously for his own praise and glory, but also to befuddle the guys at the Jet Propulsion Lab uh, to, for them to try to figure out what, 
what that thing is that's affecting the uh, orbits out there. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's a Death Star. But um, <clears throat> we're in trouble if it is. But, but the fact is, the great is our Lord and abundant in power, but the same Lord who is great uh, and abundant in power lifts up the humble, he casts the wicked to the ground, he heals the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. So this God who is so powerful, who is so knows the, the, the giant planets, knows how many stars there are, knows how many cracks there are in your heart, and knows how many troubles are on your mind, and knows how many hurts you carry, and he knows how difficult and challenging your life may be, and he is intimately engaged and involved in seeing that, in healing that, in providing for you. And so as we praise the Lord, as we come into his presence and we worship him and we cry out to him about how great and awesome he is, at the same time, that God who is so great and powerful and awesome knows the minute details of your life. And he not only knows about them, he cares about them. He manages them. He sees them. He sees you. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. What was that? Oh, it's not a wedding, Allie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? You did? You took my picture? Really? How often I in boots? Well, just be glad I didn't wear my duck hunting waders. That's what I've been running around in. So, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes uh, grass grow on the hill. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Uh, I love this uh, section of this psalm because it speaks primarily to people like us who um, are uh, caught up in and enamored with and maybe even idolize uh, our abilities, our strengths, our competencies, and our gifts. Uh, we are a culture that worships giftedness. We are a culture that worships competence, and yet it doesn't matter to God. In fact, he... Uh, is unconcerned. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those whose hope is in his steadfast love. One of the things that we note about this is, is that the, the, what God looks at and what he takes pleasure in, what impresses him, what gets his attention, what, what he looks at and what he looks for in people is not great giftedness, not great abilities, not great... Uh, uh, competencies. You know, in, in, uh, in the West End of Richmond and uh, uh, in our neighborhoods, that's one of the things that we admire is people who uh, have great gifts and great competencies. And those things are great. But when we trust those things or we think that somehow or other our ability to achieve in, in, in some way impresses God, the psalmist lays that low by saying to us, his delight's not in strength. His pleasure is not in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those whose hope in, who hope in his steadfast love. One of the things that, to note about that is, 
And one of the things, if, you're, if, if you read that, you may think, well, that last verse, verse 11, seems to have a contrast in it. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Is there a, a contradiction between fearing the Lord uh, and those who hope in his steadfast love? But the fact of the matter is, what we see about that is, is that the love of God is compelling to us, right? And that uh, this word here, that steadfast love, means covenant love, means binding love, means love that uh, the Lord uh, has tied himself uh, to us, and that covenant can never, ever, ever be broken. Uh, he will be our God, and we will be his people. And he has done everything in Jesus Christ to see, to see that through to the very end. And so that steadfast love is what it compels us uh, uh, to, to reverence him and to love him and, and to be aware of the awesome power, but also the awesome grace and mercy that is displayed to us in Jesus Christ. And so as a result of that, as someone who recognizes and sees the steadfast, unending love of the Lord, the psalmist ends up by telling us to praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt with us as any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. So it's an interesting thing for us to, to see this because um, the psalmist tells us that God is great and he makes peace in our borders. He, he provides us with food. He, he sends out his command to the earth. Uh, and, and his command to the earth here means the, the turning of the seasons and the changing of the weather and the, the wind blowing and the rain coming and the snow coming and, and, and all of those things. He hurls down his crystals like, uh, of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? Um, that's one of my favorite verses. I hate the cold. Who can stand before it? I can't. Um, uh, but it is a remarkable thing to see that. But what does he do? He sends out his word and he melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. One of the things to note about this that I think is, I don't think is over-spiritualizing the text is, he, he says here, he gives snow like wool, he scatters frost like ashes. He talks about things that are cold. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? And yet he sends out his word and melts them. Isn't that funny? Isn't that an interesting uh, um, kind of, uh, I don't know, image there? He makes his wind blow and the waters flow, right? So here's the thing that I think is, is worth uh, uh, thinking about that and seeing that and looking out at the weather and uh, being just remarkable how the wind blew yesterday. Uh, my face still feels a little numb after, after being outside in it. Um, and just experiencing something that we don't often experience here in Richmond, the thing that I, I'm reminded of is, is that the word of the Lord melts hearts. The word of the Lord changes people. Uh, the word of the Lord uh, uh, makes uh, 
life spring up where it just seems like it's cold and dead, right? And, and one of the things that is so wonderful about this text is it's not just that God is powerful and not just that he cares, but he speaks, he reveals, he talks to us, he has a relationship with us, and he bends over backwards and does everything possible he can to communicate with us. Not only does he speak to us, certainly, not only does he reveal himself to us in his word, but he even goes on further to take on flesh and become the very word of God to us as Jesus Christ comes as the word. And so this God is clear that he just needs to stand back from us to tell us what to do or, or yell at us to do better or that sort of thing, that he actually comes among us, lives among us, and, and the demonstration of his grace and his power and his love, the fact that he comes and identifies with us, the fact that he comes and sees us and tastes what our life is like and tastes uh, what our death is like, all of that because he loves us and he wants to redeem us, right? So his, it's, it's a pretty profound thing for us to see this and to recognize that the word, this revelation of God, the fact that he opens himself up, then he, he shows himself to us is so compelling that the psalmist sees it as something that, that changes nature, that, that melts the ice, melts the snow, and melts the human heart. Listen, listen, I, I don't know... Um, how you are faring this morning, if you are discouraged, if you are afraid, if you are anxious, if you're wondering uh, whether God is for you, or if you're wondering if he's for someone you love. Um, The fact is, the truth is, that what the psalmist wants you to see today is that this God is great, that he loves you, that he sees you, that he heals you, And that his word, his revelation, his gospel melts the coldest. Melts the coldest heart. Melts the hardest heart. Lets the waters flow. Lets nature, the work, the fruit of the spirit spring up in the lives of his people. And so it's a great thing for us to be reminded of today. So so when you go home this afternoon and you look outside or... If you're shoveling, shoveling, and more shoveling, (laughs) or if you're like me, you're like, I just want the sun to shine on it and, you know, and melt it. But um, when you look at that, look at the effect that that sunlight has on the snow. Just a little bit of light, a little bit of revelation, a little bit of truth, the love and grace of God displayed to us in Jesus Christ melts, melts that snow, melts that ice, warms the human heart, and gives life. Let's pray for more of that uh, uh, for us. Let me, let me lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you today for this text. And Lord, I thank you for these uh, hardy souls who um, braved uh, this weather and uh, I guess in some ways defied the government uh, to come out and and worship today. Uh, We thank you for that. And uh, um, Lord, I I thank you too for a warm place where we can gather, sing your praises. As you've said, it's fitting and pleasant. Uh, uh, We thank you as well for uh, the opportunity to uh, fellowship with one another, to see Jesus Christ in one another, uh, to sing his praises 
and to cry out to him uh, to melt the coldness of our hearts and to bring life uh, to those of us who uh, doubt your goodness, who may be anxious, who may be struggling, and who may wonder about the power of your goodness and grace. And so, Lord, we, we pray now that you would um, bind up the brokenhearted. We pray that you would bring life uh, to those who seem cold and dead. And Lord, for those of us who are, um, well, just, uh, we're, we're not cold, we're not really warm either, I pray that you would uh, speak words of encouragement, that you would give healing, that you give energy, that you give life and renewal as only you can do. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the true word of God, who reveals to us your character, your heart, and your redemption. And so I pray that uh, we would be uh, encouraged and moved uh, today to see and to trust him. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.